0: How are you doing, everybody? Welcome to uh, another episode of Down in the Valley. Hold on, let me just connect the webcam. I totally forgot about that, but that's what happens when when you have to deal with Houston traffic a lot. So, there we go. Finally. It looks like we're good. So, uh, how are you doing, everybody? Today is uh, Thursday, uh, the 7th of June, and we're back for another episode of Down in the Valley. Brought to you by our friends from the Beautiful Game Network. Be sure to check them out on the website www.bgn.fm. Uh, be sure to also check out their their Twitter page, which is at the BGN FM. Uh, be sure to also check out our friends at Dynamo Theory um, at Dynamo Theory on Twitter, um, dynamotheory.com. Uh, check out our our page, which is down in the rgv.com. Follow us in all of our social media, uh, which are you have Twitter at down in the RGB, Facebook, uh, at down in the RGB as well. We also have uh, Instagram where we collaborate on an Instagram fan page, uh, which is, uh, at RGVFC fans. Um, also be sure to check out on all of the platforms where our podcasts, uh, go through, um, check us out on, on SoundCloud, uh, iTunes, uh, Google play store, Stitcher, and, um, other, be sure to also, uh, Excuse me, that's oh, my phone. Um, be sure to to listen to the podcast whenever they, they are available. Uh, also on, on the Beautiful Game Network's website. Um, and forgot to mention also that while you're there on the uh, on the Beautiful Game Network's uh, website, be sure to check out all the other all the other pod, uh, USL podcasts that are available uh, for you to listen to. They're really really uh, g- really high quality uh usl podcasts uh from people that have done this for many years and that includes um the uh, tornado alley the unused substitutes uh foxtrot podcast um texas soccer radio uh, by kyle mankey uh, uh the usl show and many 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 others so having said all of this i know it can be it is a little bit long but having said all of this um I am accompanied once again by our co-host, Jacob. Jacob, how are you been?
1: Uh, Been well. Watched the game last night. So excited to talk about that as well as just a ton of stuff that's been going on this week for soccer.
0: Yeah, it's been, I think for me, it's been kind of nonstop as far as the Dynamo uh, slash RGBFC organization um, news. That have, been, that have been coming up. So uh, hopefully well, we'll have time. I know we kind of started a little later uh, because hashtag Houston traffic. Uh, but I uh, hope you enjoy it. So first, let's go ahead and talk uh, a little bit about what happened on Monday. So on Monday, uh, RGVFC uh, went up to Salt Lake City and uh, played against uh, the Real Monarchs. Uh, we talked about it on last week's episode. We mentioned that Real Monarchs was going to be a difficult uh, team to to play against. Uh, didn't help matters that obviously because of Open Cup, our roster was going to be limited. And um, and in the end, it was kind of surprising because you would expect that you know previous uh, previous away matches. Uh, we got like what, like three goals, three goals, and two goals against Fresno with with the starting eleven. And this time we were going to have you know a really really young, inexperienced back line, and the fact that we that we, I guess I'm tr- I guess I'm looking at the positive out of this game, out of this results. I know there's a, a lot of negatives, and we'll we'll talk about that. But I think the positive is that. We were able to limit Real Monarchs, uh, who was uh, I believe was the top, who is the top team in the Western Conference, to just two goals at home with such a limited roster.
1: For sure, it was really difficult to watch that game, but of course we have to understand it was a young young squad, and with that inexperience, yes, you still have those veterans in a sense because you had um georgino james out there mm-hmm. on the field uh playing his part for sure but then you just have no chemistry on the field basically we looked at even the goal well the goalie uh nico cordy still you have some i guess just a, a guy that's been there from the start of this season
2: mm-hmm.
1: and of course the first time that we really got to see georgino james start and those types of players there was no chemistry whatsoever on that pitch, which made it even diff- more difficult to uh, play well.
0: So let's uh, take a look at the starting eleven. Uh, you did mention, you know, lack of chemistry and things like that. So you had you mentioned uh, Nico Cordy was on goal. Uh, obviously, he has earned his his uh, starting position. You had Bryce Marion, uh, uh, exciting, from what I've been told, an exciting product of the Dynamo Academy, uh, you had uh, Robert Castellanos, Kyle Adams back in the, ce- in the center back position. Then you had uh, Sheldon Sullivan playing left back. And then in the middle, you had, you know, as you mentioned, Jorginho James, uh, Nicolás Perea as the captain, uh, Zach Wright uh, on the right, right mid, and then Pablo Aguilar, central attacking midfielder, Chuy Enriquez. Uh, as the, the left winger, and then Jordan Jones finally gets the start uh, against uh, Real Monarchs. Uh, Real Monarchs uh, had a uh, leaker, Williams, Ryden, who is their top scorer, and we mentioned last week about how dangerous he was or he was going to be if the, if the defense did not do anything to, to, to mark him. Uh, Moberg, Gallagher, Portillo, Chang, Adams, Velasquez, uh, Kescher, and Ho- and Chandler Hoffman, uh, who is um, Chandler Hoffman, who used to be with the with the Houston Dynamo uh, reserves. So you take a look at the you take a look at this this roster or these two rosters, and you would assume that for, that real Monarchs w- was going to dominate, and to be honest, I think they did.
1: They dominated in every way, shape, or form, except even, well, I take that back, even on goal. They had a lot more shots and they just had a lot more possession. And we've said over, you know, the past weeks that what RTVFC lacks of sometimes is their uh, possession. When they don't have the ball, they seem scared. They still seem scared, um, even with this new kind of lineup, in a sense. And then, when they had the ball, they looked dominant they looked good, but they still were missing those last uh chances in a way and of course they even though they didn't mainly get a lot of chances throughout that game so it was it was a tough one but that that's basically what I saw in a way
0: yeah i uh, I think it had a lot to do the lack the lack of chemistry uh because besides you know these uh games where they played against Laredo Heat, where they played against FC Brownsville, they haven't really had a lot of time in, uh, in official matches to kind of gel together. I mean, Jorginho's been out for a while. Nico Perea, it seems to me like uh, he's, a, he's an Eric Alexander. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, on yesterday's Dynamo's game. We'll, we'll get to that eventually. But one of the things that we mentioned, I think I can't, the reason I compare uh, Nico Perea with Eric Alexander is that Eric Alexander, uh, if you notice, ever since Juan David Cabezas was not in the in the lineup and more of the responsibility to be the pivot of the dynamo landed on him, you know, that's where you started seeing all these mistakes from him. You know, he, his form started going down. And yes, it was just one match, but from what I saw from Nico Perea, without having Todd Warden beside him, he just didn't have as much of confidence in him and I think the play that that kinda keys in on, on this on this point that I'm or this argument that I'm making is the first goal. I mentioned it to you uh to you to Ray and to Cesar in, in the in the down in the valley chat that in the first goal Nico Perea was walking and he, he was walking back he should have covered uh what was uh Ledesma he should have covered him, but he didn't, and so that ended up uh, costing costing the 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 Toros their first goal. I mean, the defenders tried to do whatever they can; they they were in the right spots, but Ledesma was all alone, uh, almost uh, almost getting to the limit of the eighteen yard box.
1: Exactly, and. I I could picture it perfectly in my head at the moment too, because there was just so much room for him to take that shot. And it just seemed like throughout that first half, they were backpedaling and that defense can only do so much. Same with Nico Cordy can only, he can only do so much. And so they were backpedaling and then you don't, you have Berea right there, walking, walking right there. And it's, it's frustrating to see that type of effort played into this, um or into the soccer game but of course yeah it goes back to chemistry sure but at the same time they needed to they needed to do a better job they have one job or well they have a job and that is to play good soccer and they just did not play that good soccer to give up that goal that early in the game as well it was frustrating
0: i think what's more frustrating to me cuz if you, i'm looking more closely right now at the highlight and you see that Nicolas Perea was almost right alongside of Ledesma and then Jorginho James was kind of helping uh covering uh out on the wing to cuz there was two players there one of them the one that was carrying the ball and so he was he was over there like making sure like in case in case the the attacker went past the, the his mark you know he would be there but you see you see Nico Perea, he's looking at that direction. He's not paying attention on his on his back to see that Ledesma is out there wide open. And so Ledesma notices you know that there's a there's a big space, especially as the as the play advances, because as you mentioned, the 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 Toros defense has to backpedal because of that through ball over to Chandler Hoffman. And yes, uh Robert Castellanos, I think in my opinion, uh kinda Kind of fell with with the with that little with that little fake by Chandler Hoffman because Chandler Hoff, Hoffman uh, kind of faked that he was going forward the, for the ball and he just let the ball pass and so Robert Castellanos fell for it and he lost a lot of ground to to um, to Chandler. Chandler takes it almost all the way to the end line. Uh, ob- obviously, uh, so Robert Castellanos is out of position. Kyle Adams is trying to make sure that that he doesn't get uh you know a good um a good cross in into the into the penalty spot and you have uh, i believe that is uh Sheldon Sullivan almost in, in the middle as well but where Nick, where Nicolas Perea should have been was outside the box you know following uh Ledesma and just, he just wasn't and that and i and that was just plain intelligence by um, was Chandler Hoffman to find that that spot with two defenders coming at him and give the ball uh, an easy pass over to Ledesma?
1: Yeah, I mean you hit it off perfectly because we we've always also talked about this team not either not making that final pass like they need needed to or they just completely take a shot that's unnecessary. And so, I mean, it goes back and forth. You can find that open space, but the question is, are you going to be able to finish? And in the stats, to me, it didn't seem like they finished. And sure enough, that's why you have a – that's why you lost 2-0 on the road because they weren't able to finish.
0: Yeah, and I mean they had a lot of opportunities in the first half with corner kicks and – I just have to say that a lot of a lot of the corner kicks just really weren't that well placed, and uh, and so really most of the most of the dangerous opportunities were by Real Monarchs. It seemed to me like like uh, RGVFC was trying to uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but they were trying to go for a more counterattack Kind of thing, and just kind of launch the ball over to where Chuy Enriquez was, and hope that he could do something. That's what I saw. I'm not sure what uh, what you think.
1: No, I definitely agree. When RGVFC they made those uh, crosses or excuse me, those corner kicks, it was simple for the set pieces since they weren't that well for Real Monarchs just to control. And when the Mm -hmm. Real Monarchs controlled that, you, you did like you said they were able to just counter when they took possession away. They were just able to go and counter constantly, yet they were still attacking more, of course, and that's what we saw. And so each time they'd go on the, the wide side, they try to, um, sh- uh, in a way, show up, uh, Chuy Enriquez, they'd try and show up, basically, RGV's defense on those weak sides. And we've talked about it. that's where the weak sides are, on that wide side with Chuy, with all those players, and it it was frustrating because that's a weak point that RGVFC can't seem to get right throughout this whole season.
0: No, definitely not. I I mean, I really don't want to get all up on, on, uh, on their cases. See, like, Oh, well, what are they practicing? But it just, to me, it just hasn't been like, I have not seen any improvement in the quality of crossing. Uh, and, um, and when Todd Warden is isn't there, it just it just it's just worse. Uh, another thing I do want to point out that def- we still continue to have problems defending set kicks. There is a really good opportunity that that uh, Real Monarchs had. I believe it was around. It was in the it was in the second half for some reason. Oh, there we go. Like around. Why is the? Okay, that's just weird. It doesn't have the scoreboard for some reason on that part. But it was around like in the 55th minute around there is a corner kick by Real Monarchs. And uh, the attacker gets to the ball really easily, number 52, uh, and it hits the post. Hits the post and uh, get, you know, Nico, Nico Cordy's uh, kind of out of it. But thankfully, I think it was Sheldon Sullivan that manages to clear it. But the fact that, that, uh, that the attackers get to these crosses really easily, it, it it continues to worry me like we said before we are half almost halfway through the season and that is something that we have yet to to be improved
1: yeah halfway through the season we're yeah basically halfway through or if not past halfway because that the open cup always in my opinion always says we're halfway let's start this tournament up for usl teams Slash and also for um, MLS teams. That's Mm -hmm. what in my opinion is technically halfway. And so of course we all know the situation that why RGVFC can't get those players but at the same time with the stuff that you have you have to train well and I know Gerson has noticed and even the trainers and all of those or yeah the trainers and all the coaching staff has noticed that what is their weak spot and why aren't they trying to fill that gap in a way as just train them and say, look, you're, you're doing this wrong. Let's try and fix it. Because we saw that Nico Cordy has noticed a lot of um, what he's been doing wrong. Why, why isn't that working for everyone else? Why aren't they really figuring that out for themselves? I know they might be because this is a pretty mature team, but at that same time, we it's just game after game after game. It just looks like the same problems.
0: Definitely. But it, it just it now becomes a question of can the real can the coaches really do anything at this point? Because you would assume that most of that most of that knowledge, you know, how to defend. Yes, it's 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 it can be learned. You know through practice, but at the same time you're at a point where you should know uh you should get the gist of how to how to do it by now um obviously i i don't know like i've never i've never played pro soccer obviously that's just looking just looking at me but I just feel like we're at we're at the point where you know the coach can only do so much and it's up it's up to the player to 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 get better and in most cases, defending free kicks hasn't really been that great, and in and it's also, I guess you can say, you know, it's it's an organization issue because I believe the Dynamo can, has some of those problems as well, uh, and the and the first team.
1: Yeah, uh, noticed it. Of course, it was the Open Cup last night, but it, I noticed that. But a uh, part, even on, uh, I believe it was. Uh, Saturday, yes, yeah, Saturday when Houston played their uh, regular season match. But um, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, with that management, it, it goes both ways because RGVFC, we all know, is technically owned by Houston. So guess who's managing Houston? Chris Canetti. Yes. And it goes all the way up to Houston, the board, where they're just not doing things correctly for Houston slash RGV. So you put those two together, and that's why we still see those same um, holes. Of course, I can get into, well, Houston Dynamo has had a lot of injuries, and they're about to get a lot of players back. But, of course, this is RGV we're talking about. And RGV, yeah, they got players taken away. That can't just be your little starting core right there. That can't just be the core that, can gel together. Do you need other players to gel together there and make those differences happen?
0: I, I def, I definitely agree. I think, I guess, if we want to, we want to get on the subject. It seems to me because most other, most other uh, teams, MLS teams with affiliates, they. I mean, they, they sent down players that they're not using to their USL team to get minutes. And last year, you, the Dynamo did not have a problem with injuries, and yet there was the, there was that problem. There were so many players that didn't get that didn't get minutes and were not sent down, uh to to RGV. And then, I mean, you you see, I mean, with Open Cup, you like. The problem I, I see, and one of the things I was analyzing last night, is because I, I saw a lot of comments in regards to Aldo Quintanilla after yesterday's game. And it was like, whoa, we, we should sign him already, because he'll maybe he'll bring uh, Minota some competition and things like that. I'm like, you know, at least give us an, uh, at least give us time to find Aldo Quintanilla's replacement. Because if you just grab him and give him a first string contract in the in, during the middle of the season, you know, okay, now you are one less man on the roster. We don't and we don't have uh, you know, we don't have a replacement. So for somebody that has been doing good things for us and what happens, you know our, our results start getting worse because I mean, just remember what the what the announcer or what the commentator said, during the broadcast of the Royal Monarchs game, you know, out of all, out of the whole team that played on Monday, that's only one goal, and that was Chuli Enríquez. Most of the goals were scored by players who were who were with the Dynamo for for the Open Cup, and so this put this puts RGV the you know handling these. Transfers like that puts RGB in a predicament, especially where where your your goal scoring opportunities, your chances, your your creation, you know, is so concentrated in just a couple of players, and those are the players that you're thinking of, of moving up to the first team. You know, I don't, it's a touchy subject. I promised myself I was not going to touch on it today because I'm just frankly I'm I'm tired of repeating myself not just this season but last season uh as well and i feel that it just falls on deaf ears so i i I mean i just i just i i don't want to say i give up but you know i can't keep on stressing myself you know over this
1: yeah um it's the same with me. I'm I'm tired of how they're being treated and things like that. But once again, it's from the top. Uh, it's Chris Kennedy, things like that. Just the moves and things. Like, and we all know, sadly, this is probably going to happen because it's just been a mess of how it's been. But Aldo Quintanilla most likely is going to get signed by Houston. And it's – he – there's no need for him to get signed. Why? Mara Minotas has been doing really well this season, as well as guess who? Romel Kyoto, Albert Elise. We have, Houston has strikers. They don't need more. Arch They're low on players enough as well. Yeah, just at. And so it's frustrating to think that he's probably going to get signed and he to Houston and he probably will. And it, it is an annoying subject because we all know, probably, no one's from the front office is going to listen to this, and they don't listen to the fans so far. So, I mean, what what is there to do?
0: I mean, I I, I have to disagree on the Morrow uh, aspect. I feel he has has a lot left to the, you know he's left a lot to be desired this season. Is it because of the change in tactics between last year and this year? Maybe. But Mauro notice has, not has not been as consistent as he was last year coming off the bench for uh, Kubo Torres. And who's, who's behind him? Max Steves. And it seems, it seems that there might be something about Max Steves that maybe is not... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Convincing Wilmer Cabrera to give him minutes. I mean yesterday was a perfect opportunity to, to see uh Mac Steves, you know, uh as a starter. I mean you had um you were going up against an amateur team, you know, he's already part of your roster, might as well give him you know give him minutes so that so that way he, he you know he can uh get some more chemistry with, with his fellow teammates. And yet he didn't play. He didn't play at all. It was Aldo Quintanilla that played but uh, but we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves on this. We'll talk about uh, the Open Cup in a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's pretty much. That's pretty much things are. The signs are pointing that Alu Quintanilla might be signed by the Dynamo. The Dynamo in the near future. I mean, as a player, I'm. I'll be super. You know, in the player aspect of Alu Quintanilla, I'm super happy. I'd be super happy if he gets signed by the Dynamo. Two, I'd also be worried, wait, what if he doesn't even get minutes? And then he's stuck in limbo, you know, like a couple of players of our players were last year. And number two is how is how is RGVFC going to counteract uh, his absence uh, if if he is signed? So there's a lot to talk about you know, or think about, actually, in regards to that that maybe a lot of Dy- a lot of dynamo fans you know may not be th- may not be thinking about why cuz a couple of them don't even don't even know about our gv and two, a lot of them could even care less about what happens at our at, at our so that stuff is, doesn't like how toros is going to work doesn't really cross their minds and i don't blame them like i said i don't, I don't blame them I and mean, they're fans of the dynamo and they're going to focus on the Dynamo. And, but in the same aspect, you know, you have a lot of fans at RGV who only care about RGV FC. Or they're fans of RGV FC, but they're fans of other MLS teams, so they could care less about what happens with the Dynamo. And so that that's where I believe this whole um, breakup or not, yeah, a breaking of relations between RGB fans and Dynamo fans that have been occurring these past few days On social media, I think that's where the core of the problem is: is that their attention is on their respective teams, but yet there's very few people who are willing to listen to the other side and listen to the to their to their uh, their their gripes, their 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 concerns of how this this uh, relationship, this you know, is being handled by the Houston Dynamo with RGVFC. And you, I mean, you have a lot of a uh, lot of fans from RGB saying, "Hey, you know what? I am not a. I was a fan of the Dynamo, you know, not anymore." Or I've even seen some comments saying, "Oh, you know what? San Antonio is not our primary rival now. It's it's our own. It's the the Houston Dynamo that's our rival now."
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. Um... In my opinion, there's nothing more to say about this besides just at this point, it's pick one side. And I've somehow been able to keep both teams apart, in my opinion, as in, yeah, I'll I'll still root for Houston because I know what's happening. And my belief is, of course, it's just the front office for Houston that doesn't Care we got Chris Kennedy all the way down, and so then I know there really needs to be a split. We talked about it in that one long episode about this, so I'll really just make it quick because yeah, there's nothing more to really say about
0: it. Yeah, and I know there's Dynamo fans listening right now. I know there's RGVFC fans listening right now, and I think the last thing I'm going to say about this this about this matter is just be willing to listen to the other side for both sides be willing to listen and, and get involved with constructive dialogue you know uh, be, between each other that's the only way we're going to learn you know how you know to to get together and maybe find a solution maybe front office was not going to care about the solution you know, but at least we're at least with the the last thing I want, and I mentioned it to you all in the in the in the staff chat. The last thing I want is a rupture between RGVFC fans and Dynamo fans, and so be willing to li- to listen to each other's uh, to each other's sides, and don't be so quick to p- put down or or shrug off the concerns of, uh, of whether the Dynamo side or, or the RGB side. I mean, they, there has to be a, a way to, to find a solution to this. And, if, and I feel like if both, if both fan bases get, get along, you know, I, think may, I think maybe there might, there might be some way where both fan bases can, can influence front office to make this better. Because at the end, if RGV is run correctly, then it's and it's going to be a bigger benefit for the Dynamo, because this, the because this process will be streamlined without really affecting either side, and I think that's the best. I think that's the best way to put it, in, in my opinion. So, let's just go ahead and finish our discussion for the uh, Real Monarchs game. So in the 70th minute, um, you had, um, what was, what's his name? Uh, cash cashier, you know, score, score, a, another goal. Uh, like I said, in this, it's the 69th, 70th minute. And there was another, was another, her play where the lack of experience of our def- defense really shot us in the foot because you had, uh, Bryce Marion, in the middle of the pitch, uh, acting like a center back, because everybody else—Castellanos, Kyle Adams, Sheldon Sullivan—they were all up in the uh, all up in 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 uh, their left hand side, because that is where uh, the the assister uh, was was uh, dribbling the ball from, and so they. Did not once again. They did not look back and see that Keisher was all alone running into the box. And so, as the play continues, you have three. You have three players, uh, RGB players, in one area, in one section of the box, and Keisher, all alone. Like I said, all up on the other side. The ball gets to him. He gets a good. He gets. The reception was not great. That gave uh, Bryce Marion kind of time to make him uncomfortable. But Nico Cordy, in his desperation to try to, to make something, they both get in each other's way. And so uh, Keisha, like a, a clinical striker that he is, manages to find a space between both Bryce Marion and Nico Cordy. And slot the ball inside the goal.
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. That was a nice finish from um, from him for the shot. Because, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, it I watched it not too long ago. It did uh, end up in the top corner, if I'm not mistaken, top or close to the top left, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, nice finish. Of course, it, it once again it's. In a way, a breakdown of the defense. Just that, it's like the defense wasn't pressing enough on the guy, and so that, that's in my opinion, what really, in a way, caused him to be able to score. Of course, it wasn't like the first goal where they were just able to bang, 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 bang play where they were able to find a lot of open room. No, this I think was a bit tighter, but just it, like like I said defense needs to do a better job, and of course, when you get into the box, that's basically when you know you've messed up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, feel, I mean I feel that that play could have been avoided if uh, Bryce Marion was positioned correctly, because I felt Bryce Marion, I felt did not really do that that bad you know compared to compared to the others um there is some potential in him and you know coming up against this high class you know offense he didn't really look out of place for the most part until this until this this uh this shot but then but it is also you know that that lack of experience and hopefully like i said on twitter if he continues to pro- to to get minutes and develop alongside Kai Green, alongside uh, Manny Padilla, I think we might be looking at a future at a future starter. You know, the the next in line in, in this in this conveyor belt. And so, we hope we really hope that he, that Bryce Marion is not another Lucatero, where he was hyped up to be the next best thing out of the academy. And in the end, it was a dud. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the RGB Academy still has a long, a long way to go still. So, we have to rely right now in the short term on whatever the, the Dynamo Academy brings up. So, and speaking of the Houston Dynamo, um, yesterday they had their Open Cup match here at uh, BVVA Compass Stadium here in Houston. Uh, they played against NTX North Texas Rayados, and the North Texas Rayados are an amateur team. I'm sure you saw the video that uh, the U.S. Open Cup uh, posted about them. I mean, you have uh, you have a lot of coaches and not of coaches, teachers, school teachers playing playing in the uh, in, in that team, and um, that's all good. And so they have the opportunity of their life. You know, to come and play at a professional first division stadium against a first division team. And for this game, the Dynamo called up uh, seven players from RGVFC. They called up um, Aldo Quintanilla, Chuy Enriquez, Todd Warden, Manny Padilla. um, That is, that's four. uh, John Montaño. Matias Saldivar, and I know I'm I know I'm missing one. Um, I to the, Do you remember who the who the last one was? Can't, cannot remember. Oh, Ontiveros, Ontiveros, Ontiveros was also was also called up. So those are your seven RGVFC, uh players that were called up uh, for Open Cup, and uh, so Jacob, what did you th- what did you think of of this? This the the these players that were called up. Um independent of in the eyes of a Houston Dynamo fan, what did you think?
1: Oh yeah. In the eyes of a Houston Dynamo fan and just I mean I I thought it was fantastic. I thought those were the smart moves for sure. Because yes, you got Aldo Quintanilla, and not only is he you know on the team, he's starting. And then of course, yeah, Manny Padilla right there, Chuy Enriquez. It's perfect. It's a perfect lineup for you to get a team more minutes, especially in a first division stadium. Yes, it's a friendly for those guys in a way because you get a lot more growth. You're with a different coach, which is Wilmer Cabrera. He's he knows how RGV is, so he you can talk to him easily, things like that. And I thought it was a fantastic. I thought those were fantastic picks from them.
0: Yeah, I mean they were the be- they were the best of the of the best. Um I think if anything uh and we've talked about it before, maybe John Montaño, maybe not so much. Uh but other but other than that, you know, they were they're the best that RGBC had to offer. And so getting the getting minutes with with the Dynamo first team especially to the, new, to the new guys like Chuy, like, uh, like Aldo, like Matias Saldivar. That was like a dream come true for them. And they were out there. They were hungry to, to prove something out there. And they did not – honestly, they did not fail uh, in my eyes. I mean, I was there at the stadium, and you saw the same, the same hunger. You see, out of Aldo Quintanilla in the, with, with the Toros – you saw it. You saw it with with the Dynamo. He was out there fighting, trying to uh, win the ball back. Uh, he was out there looking for space. You know, making making sure he had an, an open uh, alley. To, you know, towards the goal. He was calling for the ball. He was very participative uh, dur- during the game, and I and I love that ab- about about Alu Quintanilla because he's just not there, just sitting there and just waiting for the ball to get to him. He moves around so that way he gets himself open. In order to receive the ball, and he plays, and he plays well. He played, I think, he played well with with uh, with Eric. I think he played well with Arturo, and I think a lot of Dynamo fans saw that and were very, very pleased.
1: For sure, um, Aldo came out with a fire that, I mean, yes, I had seen at RGV, but at the same time, I think a little bit more. Because he knew if I can impress these people, I can actually go to the first team or well, not the first team, but I can actually go to Houston. I can improve. Um, well, yeah, what's the word? Basically, I, I can
0: move up. Uh, I can hard.
1: advance my yeah. career. Yeah, yeah, I can advance my career, basically. And so he, he came out there with a fire and a passion and it was perfect because, sure, I saw more of. Him and that team in the second half, than in the first, because in my opinion they did struggle a lot more in the first half.
0: Yeah, um, I think the I think the thing about it is is that even NTX Rayados had that special confidence boost. That I mean, we're already here. We're playing at a that in a first division stadium. It's a dream come true for most, if not all, of the guys. So they want they're they're out there so they're out they're out there trying to prove something as well. They want to also move up, you know, maybe catch the eye of a scout of a professional team scout that's watching the open cup match, you know, playing up against a first division team, and then hopefully, you know, get getting signed and or at least given the opportunity to try out with these professional teams. And, and so they played really well; they were able to hold the the Houston Dynamo. In the first half, but the second half, the fitness just wasn't there. I mean, it is an amateur team, so they don't have like the 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 routine, the exercises, the routines, you know, to build up on, on fitness. So by the second half, most of the players were already super tired. You know, a lot of them, you know, started to to um, f- rely on Faust to try to stop the Houston the Houston Dynamo. And at the end, you know, you know, the Houston Dynamo slash rgBFC proved proved to be too much for for these young guys. And credit to them, I applaud them because they they played their heart, they they left everything on the pitch. And as and so, the NTX Realis fans are really proud, and they they earn my respect.
1: Oh, for sure, that whole first half was fantastic. Of course, you're obviously going to see a decrease in. Mo- or not momentum, but you're just going to see a decrease in fitness come second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, I know they play a whole 45 minutes like or 90 minute games, but
2: mm-hmm.
1: at that same time, it's just, it, it's different and it it's tougher. And <laughs> yeah, I applaud them for sure. Just like you, because that second half, sure, they did rely on fouls, but if I was a team that was amateurs and I was losing hope in a way I'd do the same thing
0: yeah I, I really really agree and in the first half he even saw a couple of plays by NTx Rayados they maybe they didn't have the best of shots uh, but they got themselves to Chris sight's um box. And tried to look for for uh, op- dangerous opportunities to try and score. I know they relied a lot on um, on Sase, who is who is uh, one of their strikers. He was really fast. Ma- Manny Padilla, for in some portions of the match had a had a tough time trying to stop him, and Connor Donovan had to go out and help him with really some really, really good slide tackles. Uh, to to avoid as uh, dangerous opportunities by NTX Rayados.
1: Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, yeah, like you said, that first half, they made Chris Seitz work for it. They uh, they made Chris Seitz uh, stretch, stretch out a couple of times and do that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, of course, then you also look at Houston. They didn't look. They looked like they started off slow, in my opinion. And I I could tell that they were still kind of gelling together in a way. Mm -hmm. They're missing a couple of opportunities like we have seen in technically RGV because a lot of them were RGV players. Uh, They were missing those last passes or they were making too many passes. And so it hurt them from taking the lead of 1 or 2 nil up in that first half. So it was interesting to see that kind of build from what had from what had happened in that first half to what ended up happening in the second half second half
0: i think the the main the main aspect that i saw there at the stadium from the big difference was arturo alvarez in the first half just was not there um he was put up he was put in the wing and he was one of those one of those players that he tried Every time he tried to cross it, it always landed on on an NTX Rayados uh, defender, and so he, There were very few opportunities, a few crosses that gave Aldo an advantage to try and, and, and get get a shot at, at the goal, and so I, I think we were. I was talking with uh, with a buddy of mine you know, there, and we were both talking like, man, they like why is it that Arturo Alvarez not even against an amateur team? Can can uh, show can show his, his talent, and he, maybe it's age, and I don't I don't know. But it's been a consistent topic as well in Generation Orange, that Arturo Alvarez just really it has not shown what he what he was capable of, or what we thought he was capable of. And so let me just go back and talk about the starting eleven. Starting 11 for the Houston Dynamo were Chris Seitz on goal, Manny Padilla, Connor Donovan, Alejandro Fuenmayor, Kevin Garcia and uh, on defense, Eric Bird and Todd Warden in the central defensive midfield, uh, Arturo Alvarez out on the right uh, right uh, mid, Luis Gil, center attacking midfield, Memo Rodriguez left midfield, Aldo Quintanilla as the striker. So... Right here, like I mentioned, Arturo Alvarez just looked out of place out there uh, on the wing. But Eric Bird, oh, Lee smokes. He looked boss out there. He had the confidence. He got along well with Todd Warden, obviously because they both they both played in RG in, in RGV, so they kind of still had a little bit of that chemistry. But there were, many, uh, uh, you know, there were many times where you know, he was not afraid to go out and, you know, and clash with, with an NTX Rayados attacker. And I thought Eric Bird looked really, really, really well. Um, the back line, it was mostly RGB um, uh, players or ex-RGB players with Kevin Garcia, Connor Donovan, Manny Padilla. Only, Fuen Mayor, the reason he played, obviously because he was suspended for two games. So that's the reason why he started. Um, what did you think?
1: Um, yeah, like you said, Eric Bird looked looked really well. He started beside beside a guy that he knew. It, it's just like FIFA Ultimate Team. You have those lines that maybe they will be good together with chemistry, or maybe not. And so that was a perfect setup right there. Of course, you had Alejandro Fernanoyar starting. And not to mention a couple of the bench players, too, like Felipe Senderos was on, and he got sent in. And I enjoyed watching him play. Sure, he got in and committed a foul, which ended up being a yellow card, but it, it did help. It, it did help him get minutes again because he's been out for a while. Mm-hmm. And then just the players that from RGV that were actually really good was amazing to, to watch. And, yeah, like, just a really good uh, start for these players. And, of course, I hope we make it far into a run because they could really make a difference. uh, Or this tournament, excuse me, could really make a difference with these young guys.
0: Yeah, definitely. So um, the first goal was, uh, was made by Memo Rodriguez. Uh, which is across Lance. Lance on, on his feet takes the shot. Gets the, uh, you know, get gets blocked by a defender. But the rebound lands to him again, and he just takes the shot a- again out of a volley and uh, slots it uh, on the on goal. Second goal was a uh, really good uh, play by Aldo Quintanilla and uh, Eric Bird. Eric Bird with a beautiful through pass to Aldo Quintanilla, who uses his his speed to leave the defender behind and just sl- slots it, you know, with a, uh, with a curved shot past the goalkeeper. A couple minutes later, uh, Memo Rodriguez gets fouled in the box. Uh, penalty is given, uh, as well as a red card uh, for, for the NTX Rayados. And uh, Memo Rodriguez himself slots it in for the, for the 3-0. Then, um, then it was uh, Matias Saldívar who came in from the bench, uh, for I believe it was Luis Hill uh, gets a, gets a shot uh, as well curls it past the 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 goalkeeper who I feel may have gotten a touch to it but was not enough to get to to uh, get it off of uh, off the goal and then in the in stoppage time he had Aldo Quintanilla uh, with a one two pass between him and uh, Arturo Alvarez. Uh, uh, fakes and dribbles past the goalkeeper and just slots it in on an open goal for the final five zero, and so, like I said, because of this performance, a lot of Dynamo fans are starting to to keep a good look at Aldo Quintanilla, and so maybe that might allow some of these curious uh, Dynamo fans to pay more pay a closer closer attention to RGV games to see how he's uh, progressing uh over there. So I think that might be I guess you can say a blessing in disguise for the RGVFC toros.
1: Exactly. That that's what that's what RGVFC was meant to be, sadly, for the RGVFC fans, obviously. But it's for these players like Aldo to Show that they have talent in these Open Cup games and then draw eyes from those Houston Dynamo fans to try and pay attention to them. And once that happens, you know, you see an improvement, the coach sees more of an improvement, you bring them up. As long as they have, as long as they show that on that level, on that number one level, then they should be fine and they should be able to be a Bench warmer for about a, two more years and then actually maybe start. And w- we've seen it with Memo. That's why this system can work. It's just a matter of it's got to be used the right way. And I think with Aldo, with us seeing how uh, Aldo uh, could really be benefited from this whole thing, w- we might see a change.
0: I really hope so because there has to be some sort of patience – Involved, and that all starts with how the Dynamo front office handles the rosters. Because if they they keep on uh, on thinning out the Dynamo roster because they're like, oh well, we can just grab a player from RGV and and, you know to fill the roster, then that's not going to work because you're going to get these players when they're still underdeveloped at RGV FC. Maybe they maybe they're getting some good minutes, but they're still not developed yet to the to uh, be. useful in an uh, in MLS competition. And so then what happens is you get players like Charlie, players like Malky who get released by the Dynamo because, I mean, they just have them there. They're not getting minutes. Malky getting injured as well. So you pretty much just wasted, you know, the really good players because you took them out too early.
1: Exactly. And, of course, we've talked about it before, that can't happen, but it might happen with Aldo, but if you let him stay for maybe the rest of the season, give him that, if you see improvement near the end, uh, maybe bring him up for playoffs, just like you see those, in, in a way, high school, like J- JV stars, and then they bring them up for to varsity for that playoff game or something like that. Maybe Mm -hmm. you could do that to give them an insight of what an atmosphere of that standard is like Mm -hmm. something in that nature could be good.
0: Yeah, but it's, it's out of our hands and we hope, we hope that the Dynamo um, coaching staff and front office, at least put that in, put this suggestion in, consider- in consideration. So we kind of touched up on the subject before we talk about RGBFC versus uh, Portland Timbers. Um, there were a couple of news that came out today. One of them is rumored, kind of confirmed, but not confirmed by the team. According to Cal Mankey, who, uh, who is the host. Of uh, a fellow beautiful game network uh, podcast, Texas Soccer Radio, uh, which covers San Antonio FC. Uh, he wrote an article today for um, for for uh, a website, and it's and it is called. Um, I'll go ahead and retweet it, but it's called. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? No. Where is it? Come on. Um, it's called called offside. Calledoffside.com. And I'm going to retweet it right now that I found it. But this article mentions that RGVFC uh, alum, Charlie Ward is close to signing with San Antonio FC. I'll let that sink in for a little bit. It's ridiculous in my point of view that that's already technically the fourth XRGV, X Dynamo organization product that has signed with San Antonio FC. First one being Sebastian Ibiaga, then it was Jose Escalante, then Kyle Murphy, and now Charlie Ward. The fan favorite has been signed by our arch nemesis, San Antonio FC. I don't blame Charlie one bit for accepting. And I've mentioned it many times, said it, said it as well, when Kyle Murphy was signed by San Antonio FC. What they want is minutes. And if a team comes to them and tells you, hey, you know what, we'll sign you, and we'll get, you'll get some minutes with us. They've, they don't care if it's the, 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 their former team's adversary what they want number 1 get minutes to play number 2 their source of income their player, they player they've players they're they're humans they have they have uh they have bills to pay they have some of them have families to feed in the case of Escalante so obviously they're going to accept you know San Antonio FC's offer so i know there was probably a couple of of Fans out there that maybe are dissing Charlie Ward for doing this, don't. Think about the human side of aspect of it. He's got, he has bills to pay. He needs a source of income. San Antonio offers it to him, fine. In the end, he's a professional. He wants to play soccer. And if they, uh, if they offer him that, he's going to accept it. What I don't accept is the fact that the Houston Dynamo has... That's another player with a lot. And going back to our argument about how they they get these players early, find out they're not ready, and just releasing them out there into the market just like that. And it's San Antonio who just comes and swipes these players from our system... In order to play them. Now, is it intentional to give a big middle finger to RGBFC fans by San Antonio? I highly doubt it. The way I see it is that San Antonio sees the potential of these players that the Houston Dynamo did not. And so they're proven, they're quality. Instead of scouting, other places with, with players that maybe they, they don't have much information about them, I mean they've played Charlie played two years with RGB. He showed the quality, or one and a half years with RGB, but he showed the quality, especially against San Antonio. They know how professional he is. Of course they're gonna, of course they're going to leap uh, uh, in, for this opportunity what's? I don't know. I I don't know what you think, but that's that's my point of view on this uh, Charlie Ward uh, transfer.
1: Okay, just just get ready, be prepared for my take because it's kind of the same with you, but just like this, you cannot in any fact blame any of the former RGVFC players for leaving because, like you said, personal needs and things like that. They want to get paid. They want money. They want to play. Uh, soccer for their career perfect sign with a team that offers you money sign with the team it doesn't matter who and that's exactly what they did and then of course that's just it it's just a big middle finger to guess who houston dynamo you can't see the potential in us well screw you we're going off to san antonio because we they're offering us money they're offering us maybe a first uh first team If not, we'll bench, but we'll still get minutes. We'll be on the bench, which is epic. So it's perfect for them. I love that they have decided to go to SAFC because they are continuing their career. SAFC has no affiliate team that will end up taking them and maybe dropping them. So it's a perfect way for them to gain more experience and get back up on their dream of becoming a even more professional soccer player.
0: Definitely, and another thing I do want to add to your point uh, is that you know, and it totally left me. But I, I guess what I'm what I'm trying to say as well is that it is also a big. Oh, here it is. Got it back. So I think it's the best way to hopefully open some eyes because I don't think it would hurt as bad having released these players if they went to another team. If they went to another team, like, oh, okay, oh, well, whatever. Okay, they're gone. That's, that's fine, okay. They, they're doing their thing. But the fact that they went with the rival sparks up a feeling from the fans and you see, RGV, you know the 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 people that work at RGV see this and they are like, "Holy crap! What the hell is going on here?" Like they're all moving to, they are moving to, to to our to our biggest rival. I mean, something has to be done. And it it just seems to me, and I posted this on Twitter. That it's almost, it's almost as if San Antonio is the, I think who put it, who put it like that? I think it was Johnny. Johnny put it that San Antonio is the farm team of the farm team because we're the ones discovering it goes up to the, it goes up to the dynamo and the, and then San Antonio gets the scraps of what's already been, what's already been discovered. So, but my take was that, man, it's like, it's almost like we are the develop. like, instead of developing players for the Dynamo, we're developing them for San Antonio.
1: We are. (laughs) We basically are doing that exact thing. And you can't blame San Antonio. You just cannot blame them. You see free agents in the market that you've watched, that you've studied for film for basically rivalry, and you see this guy is really good. We've got to cover this guy. And then he's on the market. This could be a huge aspect for our team. Boom. We're going to take this guy. It's a dream come true for us. That's exactly what San Antonio is saying. It's Christmas in July for them. It's Christmas in March. It's Christmas almost every month. Yeah.
0: De- definitely. I mean, these, these are players that under common sense, you wouldn't see them in the free agency for the USL because they're good. They have talent and they've proven it. But Dynamo, looking at it through MLS standards, they're like, no, I don't need them. Bye bye. And obviously, San Antonio being so close to Houston, so close to, to the, the Valley, they're, the, they're going to be the, the fastest one to, to grab this talent. And, and bring it in onto their fold, <laughs> and and obviously the fan the, the 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 San Antonio fans are enjoying this because we're like oh it's this is like a haha moment we're like yeah, hey, we got like now it's even worse because they they got our fan favorite how is how is Charlie going to take this uh, I mean obviously he's going to be very professional and he's going to be he's going to embrace the San Antonio fans just like Kyle Murphy did. But, like I said, it, it, I don't know how RGB fans will take this. Best case scenario, they use this as more leverage as to prove that this system, this, the way it's currently working, is not working. Worst part, case scenario, they don't want to take it out on Charlie. And I hope that doesn't happen. And I am hopeful and I, I have trust that that's not going to happen. Sure, you'll, you'll get the banter like during the, during the 90 minutes of like putting pressure on Charlie. But I don't want any like getting involved like with like personal matters or like outside those 90 minutes to get some sort, you know, some hatred for, for, for Charlie Ward for just doing his job or for Kyle. Well, Escalante, he, yes, get mad at him, but for a different reason because he gave us he 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 nos faltó el respeto, like he was very disrespectful. Uh, looking back, so that, but obviously don't don't get his family involved. Obviously, you know, just wanted to put put it out there. But I don't know. Good luck to Charlie. With San Antonio, offer not valid during Sa- South Texas derbies, obviously. But I hope he, I hope he, he really gets what, what he deserves, and that is minutes and consistency, which is something that the Dynamo, just frankly, did not care to give him. So do you have anything else to add on this subject?
1: Um not really of course yeah we we basically said it all i i'd like to see him get involved in a bit of friendly banter during the uh during the week leading up to the rivalry but you know not too crazy and he, he's super mature he, he's a crazy mature dude that's why he was such a big use to rgvfc because i mean yeah Super mature, uh, deserved a captain's arm band, and I mean just, just things like that. And so, um, yeah, good luck to the guy.
0: Yeah. Um, so we're gonna have a uh, uh, Ray on in a little bit, and uh, that way uh, he can give his his opinion on on, on the subject. But in the meantime. I do want to mention the other piece of news that came out. Uh, this one not really a, much of a big of an impact, but um, XRGV goalkeeper from last year, Borja Anguitia, uh, has recently signed today with uh, Toronto FC two. Um, so he he finally got a team as well. Uh, this time it wasn't with San Antonio, but with Toronto FC two. So uh, good luck, uh, Borja on your on your new um uh on your your new journey. Uh, I know there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk whether he was good, whether he was not, but in the end he was not re-signed by RGBFC. Uh we now have Nico Cordy who has done an excellent job. So um we just pretty much just thank him for what he for what he did. And uh, now, now he's, he's got another future with, with uh, Toronto FC2.
3: What's up, Ray? Good evening, Edson. And Jacob. And Jacob, how are you, sir?
0: Well, we're good. We're, 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 we're good. We're a little bit bummed out. We were just talking about the news of Charlie Ward uh, apparently signing with uh, San Antonio. And, uh, and you
3: called it a few weeks back. I'll give you a tip of the hat on that.
0: Actually, it was my source that, uh, that kind of tipped it away. And that, uh, that event that happened at, uh, after, one of the, uh, after the San Antonio Derby. And you know what I'm talking about? I won't, I, guess I won't say it live out of due respect, out of where it came from. But we had an idea, thank you Escalante, for the intentions of San Antonio in regards to Charlie. Mm-hmm. But we've said our thoughts on, on this subject. What are yours? Uh,
3: you know, it, it, it's, it's sad to see an iconic player go. It really is. I mean... Here's a guy who literally had a typo to him. God save the queen. God bless Charlie Ward.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: And I just hope he does well, but not against us. Definitely. I mean, that's just my thoughts on the entire situation. Now, one player that I've, that I've been monitoring around is one Emilio Garcia. I just hope he's not. A, I hope he's not one of those that also jump ship to the team on 281.
0: Well, as far as I know, Emilio Garcia, I know, uh, there are people that have been asking, so he has not he is not signed by the, by the Toros. Uh, but yet he you can you see him m- many times, especially after the after the game string uh, in the locker rooms or, or right by the locker rooms. You see him. Mm-hmm. You see him there. And um, nobody really ha- has been able to give me a clear answer as to what his, what his status is. It's just that he was inside signed, but he's just sticking around. I don't know if he's training uh, with the Toros, you know, just training or what's going on, or what's going on with him. Uh, but it is surprising, seeing as though he, if I'm not mistaken, he came on a loan from Pachuca.
3: hmm
0: So it is it is surprising to, to see that he's he stuck around uh, in the valley.
3: Yeah, maybe he did get released by Pachuca. We don't know the gist of it uh, of that yet.
0: It would be interesting. It would it would be interesting uh, to kind of dig up on on that subject to see what to see what's what's going on with that um i mean i thought i thought emilio was a really good player um yeah, last year and in, in the year before um but i guess he i guess he just didn't fit the jerson hetchaveri's vision of what he wanted from rgv yet i think what we need now are wingers and i think emilio garcia would would be a great addition i mean who knows maybe maybe he gets he gets signed in the middle of the season i don't i honestly don't know it all depends it all depends on him how he's doing if he if he's still training or maybe he's a, or maybe he he's battling an injury i i don't know but i think if that were the case I w- we would have already known that uh one way mm-hmm. one way or another so um it'll mm-hmm. we'll be interesting to i wish i had contacts you know, in Liga MX as well, to find out what 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 what's his status on on his loan with Pachuca or how it was handled, was he released? And uh, more, I think more surprisingly, like you know that he is still here. He's still here in the Valley, even after not being signed. I uh, one would assume yeah. one would assume like maybe like he'd go back to like maybe his native his native uh, his native uh, home his hometown or somewhere. But he's stuck around in the valley, so uh, maybe a good sign, maybe a bad sign, or or maybe it's just uh, some sort of maybe he just likes the valley. Mm-hmm. Don't know, but um, but so so you, I I I don't know. It's it just it just sad. This uh, going back to the whole Char Charlie Ward thing. Um, yeah, but. Anyways, you have any you have anything for us, Ray? That you that you want to talk about?
3: Well, just to kind kind of recap this uh, this uh, cup game and how our players did. I would not be surprised during the short term contract for Aldo Quintanilla to stay up there. I would not be surprised.
0: I think. My- um, I think my big question Sean if you're listening to the stream or if you're able to listen to my voice right now um these short contracts are they only for that one specific game Is that the, I I thought that's how it worked like for Open Cup like you just you get a one match uh short
3: term contract Usually usually my understanding of these of these uh, short-term contracts, it's like the equivalent of an NBA 10-day contract, mm-hmm. where you like within that 10-day period of time frame. If there's games during that 10-day period, you you stay up with the first team, unless the club decides you know what we'll cut we'll cut our losses here. We'll send you back down, go get your game conditioning. And we'll call you when we need you, type of thing.
0: The reason I say I think that it's just just for the match was because I talked to Aldo real quickly after after the Open Cup match, and he made the comments. You know, he made the comments saying, "See you and see you this Saturday in, uh, uh, for the RGV game." So that's why wow. I that's why I think like the, like the, these ma- these contracts are only are, only for that for that game and the days leading up to that game, so he can so they can practice with uh, be part of the first team.
3: Yeah, I mean that. I mean it just depends. I mean, you, you know, at some point last year there were a few of our players taken up, and they were up there for at least a couple of days when uh, when they signed those short term contracts. So,
2: mm-hmm.
3: so I wouldn't be surprised if he stays up there for. For for the weekend game against Portland or Colorado,
0: yeah, Colorado, um, yeah. Because like I said, the the thing about it is though, I mean, why would the Dynamo have uh, keep him here? If, if I'm not mistaken, the next uh, the next uh, open match, open cup match, is what is it like two weeks or three weeks from now? Yep,
3: two two to three weeks from now. But still, I mean. For, I mean, they may want to just keep keep him a hold of them, just to get them that experience of what a first team contract potentially may look like for him.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: That's just my point of view with Aldo Quintanilla and, and some of these players that were signed up to short term contracts. Of course, they could be sent they could be sent down tomorrow morning for all we know.
0: Yeah. Uh let me let me send uh let me send Sean a uh, a message. Uh hopefully he can uh, he can answer this uh re- real quick. Uh that way we can uh kind of lose all doubts for uh about this this subject.
3: Watch him come crash the party like he did last week.
0: <laughs> nah, he he's he's writing, he's writing. Um Yeah, so okay. he, he
3: would be a good party crasher for this. <laughs>
0: So, uh, Jacob and uh, Ray. Yes. In your opinions, we know that Aldo Quintanilla played for 90. uh, So did uh, Manny Padilla. Okay, so he he says they are for X number of days, but usually just for the one match. So you can expect these seven players to be back with RGV uh, for Saturday. But the question I was talking about is you know that Manny Padilla played ninety. You know that uh, Aldo Quintanilla played ninety, and the others, not including Omar Ontiveros nor uh, Chuy Enriquez, um, they played for at least part of the second half. Which players would you would you field, or would you put them all on uh, most of them on the bench against Portland two?
3: Jacob, I'll give you the stage first. All right. Well. Hmm, who would
1: I end up putting on the bench first for the PTFC2 game? Well, we all know that most of them played 90 minutes. So I'd say the bench first, for sure, I would put... Well, yeah, I'd give actually, I'd give Georgino James a start, so that would leave out... Todd Wharton. Um, yeah, Todd Wharton, exactly. Yeah, because he leave. played 90
0: minutes as well
1: exactly leave him in the bench which would be a good rest and it would be nice to see if Jorginho james could hold it in the first half give them rest boom switch it out second half and i mean most of the starters basically i would um send to the bench i would keep though aldo quintanilla uh starting for sure because i I think, in a way, yes, he didn't have enough rest, but we've seen that he's been able to play 90 minutes consistently.
2: Okay.
3: right. Um, Well, Kintamia played 90. And I obviously see him playing 30 minutes against Portland Timbers to let them get... Worn out in the hot summer. This is a Timbers 2 team that has struggled uh, against us recently when they come down. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking Quintanilla mm-hmm. comes in maybe 60th, 65th minute at the latest. I would start Chewie Enriquez.
2: Okay.
3: Um,. Todd Wharton would be a halftime substitution as well. Um, Todd Wharton might also be a a substitution as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you also have Ontiveros. He might get the start only because of of how we're at uh, defensively. Mm-hmm. Connor Donovan's going to stay up there for a while. Yes. So that's going to be a, a minus a defenseman. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Um, this is this would be my projected back line. Kai Green, Kyle Adams, Montevettos, and, um, oh, boy. Help me out here. Sit. Um, and
0: would you uh, would you keep Sheldon Sullivan?
3: Yes, I would do Sheldon Sullivan. Yes. Okay. So, get him, get him some playing time.
0: Mm-hmm. So here,
3: midfield. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Midfield, Jorginho James, and then you would. And then you would have to uh, pluck up uh, or or play a little bit from behind Monday at
2: Mm
3: ten for as a winger like make him as a makeshift winger.
2: Okay. And then
3: on the other side, uh, Chewie Enriquez. Okay. And then you would have a front line of three.
0: So you would be playing with a, uh, you said, four oh, three three? Four, four, three. four three three. Yep. Okay. So here comes, here comes my uh, prediction for the starting 11. Obviously, Nico Cordy, Kai Green, uh, Robert Castellanos, Omar Ontiveros, Kyle Adams uh, playing left back. Because he's played there most of the minutes. In the in, in this in the season, two defensive midfielders, mm-hmm. uh, Jorginho James, and Nico Pereira, Chuy Enriquez because he didn't get any minutes, uh, Pablo Aguilar, and I would have mm-hmm. Monday Etim, and uh, playing as the winger as well. I really don't see I see more of Zach Wright coming in as a as a sub. So I would have I think I would give uh Monday ATM more opportunity uh to get some more minutes and then maybe and then maybe have uh uh Zach Wright coming in. Um uh, and then up on top I'd give Jordan Jones another opportunity and then have maybe Aluquintaniya com coming in maybe like with thirty minutes to go or twenty minutes to go. Uh yeah that's my plan as
3: well.
0: So Nickel Cor once again Nico Cordy, Kai Green, um, uh Robert Castellanos, Omar Tiveros, Kyle Adams, Chuy Enriquez, um Nico Perea, Jorginho James, uh uh Monday Etim, and um Jordan Jones. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I doubt Jerson uh, Echeverry will want to deviate from the four two four two three one formation. Mhm. Jacob.
1: Uh, I agree. The four two three one formation has always been my go to because of the fact that I believe it is just the most. It, it's just the best. Uh, it really does work with this team. Nico Cordy at goal for sure. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I think you keep the back line the uh, same. I think you put in uh, Enriquez, of course. And Mm -hmm. maybe Donovan, I'm not entirely sure with this guy because, yes, he also did play uh, close to 90 minutes. So it's just, it'll be... Well, obviously, we'll figure out, what. person has planned uh coming hours till match time but uh four two three one for sure is what we'll most likely do and certain you know, lineup in my opinion will still be a toss-up. yeah
0: um another another, as- another aspect would would be um the, yo- the, the other only young... reason,
3: oh. the only reason I would change it up to a 4 three3 is because of the personnel available and because of the play time that some of these players got uh, during the cup match mm-hmm. that's the only reason why I changed up the formation a little bit and yes it still has the it still has the same foundation of a four three two one but you know I'm just going based on what's available for selection you know,
0: Mm -hmm. so let's take a look uh, quickly before uh, we sign off because it's about 12 minutes till 9 o'clock so let's take a look a little bit about uh, our rival, Portland Timbers 2 Uh, Portland Timbers 2 comes into this game with a 7-4-2 record and their away record is 3 3 wins, 3 losses, 2 draws Um, their last 5 matches um, they they tied 0-0 against uh, St. Louis FC they also um, one they beat Seattle Sounders 2-1 0 they beat uh, LA Galaxy 2-7-3 they beat Real Monarchs 3-1 or 1-0 lost to San Antonio FC 2 to 1
3: You know, interesting fact about about P- uh, Portland Timbers 2 is that they had a couple of Portland Timbers 2 guys play in the Open Cup as well. So we may be experiencing a shorthanded uh, Portland Timbers 2 bench as well. Mm-hmm. Having that, they did play Open Cup midweek. And uh, I want to say it was Abel east.
2: And that be, had a nice, uh,
3: wonderful. Yep. He had a he had a goal in Open Cup.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Who did they Who did they and,
3: play? Oh man, I want to say. Uh, and they were.
2: They
0: beat uh, San Jose Earthquakes two to zero.
3: Yep. Jeremy Ebobisse yeah.
0: and uh, D- Dairon Aspira Aspirella with the goals.
3: Uh, Aspria, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Aspria. He was another guy that spent time in, in Timber Soup for a little bit last season.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So he's. So we might be seeing shorthanded dead teams this weekend.
0: That'll be interesting to see who who's uh, who, who is able to bounce back uh, faster from from that um, from that disadvantage. You can say.
3: Yeah, and and let's just say that Portland Timbers, this is going to be like like another road game for them because remember they did send us B to San Jose, so
2: mm-hmm.
3: so some of those guys that played in midweek, thing, we may be seeing them get a start down here in the valley.
0: Yeah, de- definitely. Now, if only I could find the uh, hate all these ads and transfer market. Because I always, I always love talking about the, uh, the records coming into this, this game. Oh, here they are. So fixtures and then record versus. So RGBFC on their, their history, we have played Timbers 2 five times. We have won once, tied once, and lost three Times with a goal di- difference of negative one. History does not, is not in our favor against the Timbers,
2: too.
3: Nope. In fact, the Villian Vachev, I think he got the game winner last year at HB Park right before he got traded off to Sacramento Republic. William Dejev, who who nearly won the, uh, the 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 golden boot for most assists in the USL,
2: mm-hmm. not
3: too long ago, leaving big mistake by Portland letting him go.
0: Yeah, and that game that that game ended three to two. Um, it was in the thirtieth minute, Omar Ontivero scored, and then in the fifty six, uh, Jeremy Ebubise then Jack Barmby, and then Foster Langsdorf uh, with the header, with, uh, made a 3-1, and then at the end, in the 81st minute, Todd Warden, uh, assisted by his... Oh, wait, no, this is, this is the past one. What am I thinking? All right, here we go. So the last game uh, for uh, last season was a 1-1 draw, and that happened at HB Park. Uh, goal scorers were uh, Bill uh, Toloma... Uh, And the 92nd minute, and then Kai Green in the 93rd minute gets the yes, I remember
3: that crazy D. Yeah,
0: that, that, that was wild. And then, so it looks to me that at home, we've only played him twice at home, drawn once, and we've lost once. That loss was in 2016.
3: Mhm-hmm,
0: by the goal by Brent
3: Richards, so you know what that was a game that stopped our like fourteen game winning streak during the first season,
0: yeah,
3: when Portland had absolutely nothing to play for definitely so and that and that kind of began like the downward spiral, yeah,
0: yeah, then definitely'cause that that was when uh what pretty much the end, almost to the end of the season and then
3: yep, we Portland lost. was fighting for the playoff whites
0: yeah and so right now uh let's take a look at the at the schedule standings here we go so right now in the in the western Conference you have the Portland Timbers two surprisingly in fourth place surprisingly because of their history
3: ninety three. With
0: with, with
3: uh 23 points,
0: and then RGVFC in 14th place with only 10 points. So let's let's go with our predictions for this game. Jacob, I'll start with you.
1: Well, I don't really think it can top last year because last year was just absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can see here that. R.G.V.F.C. will get up, maybe to a one-nil lead, and maybe even two-nil, and be b- battered or just shattered in the second half with two goals scored uh, by a de- by defensive breakdown. So I think it'll be a two-to-two draw.
3: Hey. Uh, I see we come out with a one-nothing victory, with the goal coming like in the 70th minute when Quintanilla uh, Tania comes in and makes an effective uh makes uh Gerson look like a king on his substitutions.
0: Okay. My my prediction I'm going to go two one loss. Oh boy. And Quintanilla gets the goal.
3: I I just can't wait to hear your bold prediction now.
0: (laughs) Jacob, bold prediction.
1: Bold prediction. I see both teams getting yellow cards throughout the game and this one actually topping it. And then somehow, some way, RGVFC comes out with a 3-0 victory late by scoring in a penalty, a free kick, and a corner. All three of their um, toughest things they haven't been able to do this year. Wow.
2: <laughs>
0: That's, that is really cool. Ray.
3: Ah, bold prediction. Portland comes in with a short bench just like majority of the teams that have. Come visit the Rio Grande Valley. You know how both teams have like a plethora of 18 players seven substitutions available.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Or seven players to choose from to make three substitutions. I see Portland only brings 15 players to the valley. Mm-hmm. They'll suffer a red card and yet they'll hold on for a scoreless draw.
0: Damn. <laughs> that, that that that's that's a pretty decent prediction. All right, here goes my bold prediction. My bold prediction, final score, 4-3. In favor of the Toros.
3: Con gol de tragedia.
0: Gol de tragedia. And uh, Nico Cordy blocks a penalty kick. Goal scorer for uh, will be Aldo Quintanilla with another brace. Okay. And before we go, I do want to bring a quick update. Final score in Louisiana. FC Brownsville two. Rafters one.
3: The Coyotes
0: the Coyotes bring in come back home with another victory.
3: Good for them. It's probably their second road win of the season.
0: Yeah, they they're 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 looking they're looking good for them for the most part. Uh, let's hope let's hope that that continues uh for them. Uh, as the, as the season goes on, but, um, I yeah, go and ahead. in
3: fact, they have a, they have a 10 AM announcement on Saturday. So I wonder what that could be all about. So
0: I saw the, I'm guessing it's going to be another friendly.
3: I'm guessing it, uh, I'm guessing the, along the same lines, but this time a little bit of a higher profile. Hmm.
1: I wonder if it could be Santos Laguna
0: no because no, no because, because they play they're playing the fourth in San Antonio and then they come to HB park on the 11th so, no 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 it's during the weekend in San Antonio and then that that the 11th they come to uh they come to HB Park Santos Laguna and play uh and play uh, the uh, Tor- the toros and then on the 15th. They're playing Tigres for for the uh, the Campeón de Campeones in Los
3: Angeles. So
0: right now, in which
3: will probably in which Santos will probably win. <laughs> I guess.
1: J- just hang <laughs> up on them right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so right now the Lone Star Conference, you have.
3: Dang, Jacob, that's cold. That is,
0: that is that is uncalled for, sir. You're now suspended. No, no, I'm just kidding. Okay, so in the Lone Star Conference, which uh, you have Laredo Heat, which is the the I guess you can say another member of, of an affiliation with the Dynamo. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: they have played five games. They have won all five. You know that's you know that's something that kind of like really just. It snaps my attention. Okay, they have a U twenty three with Brazos Valley, mm-hmm. and then you got a U twenty development with Oredo. Mm-hmm. Can can alguien explain to you what all that is all about?
0: I don't know. I think that I think the Dynamo is overreaching, and I think another thing that irks me about it is that their affiliate or they have a partnership with the Dynamo. But yet their 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 social media account is always praising San Antonio FC. Que alguien me explique eso. Oh, it's interesting to see that. Why that is happening? When if they're partnered with the Dynamo, why are they not, um, you know, paying attention or or, or you know with with RGV I mean. I don't know I don't know how how that works, but it, it, it does put you it does put you to think. But anyways, continuing on. Second place you have the Fort Worth Vaqueros, played five games, won four, lost one. They have twelve points. Third place, Shreveport Rafters, who they who the Brown the Coyotes just beat. They've played three games. One two, lost one. They're at six wait, why are they oh because the I think they I think their system is weird.
3: Yeah, they base it upon uh like total points averaged.
0: The points per game? Yeah. Okay. I was like, "Wait, that's just, that's something out of the ordinary." But it's a good thing you bring that up. So, Shreveport Raptors, they they have uh 6 points in 3 matches which puts their points per games played at 2. Fort Worth Vaqueros had 2.4, Laredo Heat 3. FC Brownsville, fourth place, five games played, 3-1, two lost, uh, 1.8 game, uh, points per game played. Fifth place, the Houston Dutch Lions, uh, with a 1.8 uh, uh, points per game as well.
3: Then Midland. You know, I'm, I'm going to stop you right there. Houston Dutch Lions, they have a few UTRGV soccer players in that club.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, they have the a goalie, defender Antoine Jarvis, who is from England, and a couple of other standouts that play in the UTRGV back line.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. so Let's go on. So there's still a, an RGV connection with them as well. So sixth place Midland, Odessa soccers with uh, five games played, three won, uh, two drawn. So that the, you have three... Uh, Three teams with the same stats, 1.8 points per game. Then you have Katie, 18, 1895 FC, game uh, with uh, four games played, one one win, three losses, 0.75 points per game. Then eighth and ninth, Tyler FC and Houston Regals SCA, five games Houston played,
3: Regals, five losses. They also have an. Been- they a have Charlie Flores,
0: and they have Charlie Flores and ex and ex Toro with them as well.
3: Oh, where do we go wrong as an organization?
2: Mm.
0: There are many, there are many, many, many different answers to that question. <laughs> that that it would take forever <laughs> to try to decipher. But you know, I think in Charlie Flores' case, it was more of a mentality. Mentality issue. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he was young. He he lacked a little. I feel like he lacked a little bit of maturity, and I feel I feel that the time that he was gone, um, without without a team, I think that kind of made him realize, you know what, you know what he needed to do, mm-hmm. and, and focus on himself, and that that's why he decided to come back as a as a player. And then ended up signing with the Houston Regals, so uh, just, uh, good luck to him, and hopefully that that, uh, that lesson, that life lesson, uh, continues to have an impact, uh, a positive impact on him. So, having said this, <laughs> we touched up upon a little bit of everything. We touched up on the Coyotes, touched up on the Dynamo, we touched up obviously on the Toros, touched up on San Antonio as well. But uh, really, really good episode. And uh, so thank you, guys, uh, whoever's still watching right now on, uh, on YouTube. Be sure to, get, uh, before we, we log off for this stream, be sure to leave a like on the video. Um, be sure to also um, be on the lookout whenever the podcast ver- version goes up on SoundCloud, as well as the, the other platforms like uh, Google Play Store, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, uh, and uh, the Beautiful Game Network's website. Be sure to check, out, check them out at BGN.fm. Follow them at, at the BGN.fm on Twitter. Uh, follow our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I mean, you know them. Um, so be, uh, be sure to also check out our website down in the rgb.com. Hopefully we can have more content uh, for this uh, Port and Timbers 2 game. And um, mm-hmm. having, said, having said all of this, uh, Jacob, Ray... Thank you all thank you all for 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 participating and helping helping this show um you got you guys really bring a a lot of a lot of good insights uh on the topics that we talk about and I really 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 appreciate it i uh, would have loved would have loved uh, to go to be down there for for the game against portland Tippers two but last month i had I had a lot of travels you know to and from the valley so i need i I just need some time to kind of Rest up, rest up on that. But I should, I should be back in the Valley soon. And I'll, I'll, I'll let y'all know when that happens.
3: I hope to see you down here June 23rd when Didier Grogba comes down.
0: I hope, I hope so too, man. So, um, any last, last thoughts before
3: we close? No, sir. Thank you for having me on and we'll report to you on Saturday night from HB Park. All
0: right. Uh, Looking forward to that, man. Uh, Take care and have a good night.
3: You too. Thank you. No problem. Bye. Bye-bye.
0: Jacob, any last thoughts?
1: Um, not really same as what Ray said. Looking forward to Saturday night versus, Port- versus PTFC2. Looking forward to covering that game as well. Hopefully, they can get a W. It looks like the team will most likely all be back. And from what I could tell, um, Wednesday, as long as – those players that played can uh, play with the same passion, we should be good.
0: And so where, where can, uh, where can our fans uh, find you?
1: Uh, They can find me on Twitter at Jacob Young, four, five, six, uh, Instagram, Jacob Young, 99. And so, and yeah, sometimes I stream on Facebook, Jacob Young. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, and 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 he streams he streams a lot of uh, project cars too, pretty much racing games. So if you guys are into that, be sure to be sure to follow Jacob uh, and his uh, and his live
4: streams. I'm sure you'll really, greatly appreciate it. When are you starting a Down in the Valley Gaming channel? <laughs> that look hey, on Ed's face right now—that's a great <laughs> idea. I was totally <laughs> serious too. <laughs> well, I, I wish could I- start one tonight. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That that w- that would be great, but I wish I wish I had the time to bring back That's FIFA. The That's the
4: problem. Yeah. Between all of this and everything else, there's there's no thing such as time.
0: Yeah, but, hopeful, <laughs> but hopefully, hopefully, Jacob,
4: you can feel free.
0: Yeah, you're more than welcome. Sounds to. good. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds
4: good.
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, if I find time, we can find a way to do some uh, uh, collabs like uh, multiplayer games or something.
4: Exactly. Yeah. Always be fun. Do some FIFA Pro Clubs. <laughs>
0: you tell me. You tell. You tell me, uh, Jacob. I'm down I mean, for that. That's
4: something you only need a few hours each week and just play a couple matches each week. You don't need a lot. Exactly. I'm just yeah. I'm Saying I didn't want to hijack this, but I came out because I was listening to you guys, and I'm like, okay, I got to come out and say something. <laughs>
0: You look like you want, you want to say something else.
4: I, I did, but I'm keeping the rest of it to myself. I don't want to extend your show by another like hour. So.
0: No, it's all right. Just go ahead.
4: Oh, I was going to say, you know, one thing I've been thinking about. Uh, <laughs> I'm totally going to rile the hornet's nest, but that's okay. Um, you know, in relation to, especially with the news of Charlie Ward signing with SAFC today, um, which I know is, is a sore point, and I apologize for bringing it back up and opening wounds that have not healed yet. Um. But, you know, the, there, there's a thought there, right? Um, with, the, with the hybrid um, partnership in, in the RGV to Dynamo pipeline, if players' ceilings are no higher than USL and they don't want to stay with RGV because they feel like they're not getting minutes, is that, like, who does that fall on? Does that actually fall on the Dynamo or does that fall on the players? um you know the player i mean you know they're going to safc they're not going to get a chance at a higher club they're not going any higher than rgv would be so mm-hmm. you know it is it just they're not getting playing time with the dynamo which you know you got to look at it two ways right so they're coming to the dynamo which is a higher organization they're getting an mls contract which is more money regardless of how much they're making in the usl it's still more money mm-hmm. they're just not getting the playing time or so their ceiling is higher, or they can go over to SAFC and get playing time, but have a ceiling of, of basically SAFC you see what I'm saying like yeah who does that fall on? is there an aspiration for these players to play in MLS do they've you know I, I just I, I wonder that because we've seen it with um you know we've seen it with Charlie Ward we saw it with uh help me out here Um it, Ibiaga, uh, and there's one other one too, but um, I can't think of off the top of my head. And then there's there's Luca who didn't go to S.A.F.C. but went to another team. Um, but it just makes me wonder because Taylor Hunter, that was the one. Um, you know, it, it's interesting to see that kind of happening because, like I said, I mean, it, it's I understand the frustration on the player side of not getting the playing time and wanting to just get some kind of playing time. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like, what is your you know what is your aspiration level how high do you really want to go if USL is your is your high point then no you're not going to stick in the Dynamo organization because frankly RGV players should aspire to hit MLS they shouldn't aspire to stay with RGV long term not that you know not that not that they can't do that mm-hmm. but that shouldn't be their aspiration that shouldn't be the high point that they reach for that shouldn't be their goal their goal should be to be a you know to be a superstar to hit MLS at the very least, you know, to make a mark there.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And so I, I just started to think about the last couple of days, especially with the Charlie announcement, you know, news today and, and kind of some other stuff going on. It, it just made me wonder, like, what's really going on here? Is it. And then I also wonder, like, we see players um, that their ceilings are higher. Our MLS level maybe like an MLS B. Not an MLS A necessarily, um, like a Quintanilla. I don't think he's quite MLS level. Everybody's going to say, "Oh, he looked great." You were playing an M- amateur team. team. Like, let's put it in perspective here. Yeah, he got a brace. Woo! Yay! That's not MLS minutes. Don't even get me started on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, 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 those are the types of things that I wonder because I think when you start to kind of frame that in reference of like thinking in that way it helps RGV fans maybe a little bit to understand why there may be just as much of an issue with personnel as there is with the actual partnership with the Dynamo. Like, it doesn't just fall on the partnership of the Dynamo for the struggles that are going on. Because if players aren't aspiring to reach higher, then they're not going to be long-term players, even at your USL club. And if their highest aspiration is, is USL you're never going to end up with that super, superstar player. Your highest player is going to be Ibiaga. Great, Defender of the Year, one year. He's not a stalwart for SAFC if he's only Defender of the Year one year. You see what I'm saying? Like, you need players that if, if they want to bleed RGV, awesome. That's great, but they should aspire to bleed higher too. They should not make that their end game. And if they are, they're not good enough for RGV to begin with. They really aren't. You know what I'm saying? Like, does that make sense?
0: So it it's all about the mentality. It, like, RGV needs players that want to go above and beyond USL, Correct. and that'll that'll benefit uh, RGV in the short term. Correct.
4: And the Dynamo in, in, in you know in the Dynamo want to replenish those players with players that have the same type of aspirations and the same talent level. They do. That's what they want. Because it's a system. It's not just a one-year thing. It's not just a single cycle. It's a continuous cycle that repeats itself over and over. And that's not a bad thing for those players that really do think If they done can, right, though. If done right, and if the players have the mentality that, hey, I'm good enough to make it in the MLS. If they don't have that mentality or they begin to think that they're not good enough to make it in MLS, then they're not going to survive in this system. Now, I'm, it's not solely that. Yeah, I know 100% for sure it's not solely that, that there's a lot of blame that falls on the Dynamo partnership with RGV in general. And I'm not taking away from that. But I think it's important that we don't focus solely on that when there's these other things that need to be taken into account at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you focus on one thing too much, you lose sight of some of the other things that are going on that are just as important and tie in just as much. Mm -hmm. And you end up with people pissed off for one reason only, which may not actually fix the issue. Okay, you guys go independent. Does that actually fix the issue? Not necessarily, because your team is full of players that don't aspire to be anything more than USL players. Right? Mm -hmm. So now there's a concern. If your players only ever aspire to be USL players, are they just tanking it for the sake of tanking it because they know they're at the highest point they're going to reach anyways? They know they're not going to reach any higher. So... I say that because I felt like that needed to be thrown out there tonight like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jacob, I want to get your thoughts. In a
1: way, I do agree. But at the same time, and I know that this has come across this show before, and it's come across even USA talk and USA soccer talk and things like that. And I'm talking about relegation promotion and why this could actually work well, we have such a big USL. This league is fantastic. We can see, in my opinion, we can actually see these teams move up and down in MLS, USL. And if this ever comes to a thing, UPSL, maybe, we could see all three of those leagues uh, fluctuate with teams. And I think that could actually work.
4: Um, I, You know, I humorously enough, i don't disagree, um, but you know we've had this talk on on uh, generation orange slash soccer power hour previously that that it's it's something that I don't think that the current structure of u s soccer not just u s l and not just mls but u s soccer in general is not it's not ready for for Pro Rel and a big part of it, and Edson and I and I have actually talked about this, and we've talked about it in the Discord chat as well. Um, that one of the big requirements for MLS and for really having a t- you know top tier uh, you know Pro Rel system is that the uh, ca- capacity of stadiums across the board need to be big enough to support MLS. You don't see look at the English Premier League, right? Uh, an English championship, you don't see teams being promoted from the championship, you know, with, with stadiums that are less than 5,000 seat stadiums or five to 10,000 seat stadiums. The minimum I think I've ever seen is 15 to 20 being, you know, that have been promoted. And even in the championship, I don't think I've ever seen a stadium below 15,000 seats.
0: Yeah. I think, I think there was a talk on the discord chat about it. And I think the infrastructure in England is, is so great that even it's, third it's and been, fourth tier have big stadiums. Have bigger stadiums. And it's, here because it's been the,
4: there for so long, and they're built as as athletic clubs, as football clubs. They're not built as teams. Here franchises. in the U.S., we're just teams and franchises. Mm-hmm. We're not necessarily clubs. Now, I feel like the Dynamo are trying to build a club system. I feel like Portland is trying to build one. Seattle's trying to build one. But I look at like Columbus. I hate to throw that one out there, but Columbus is not a system. Columbus is a team. So that's why Columbus can move, by the way, because they're a team, not mm -hmm. a club. Anyways, continue.
0: So to the to any of our listeners that on the podcast or right now listening to us right now, Uh,
4: by the way, if I've caused you to to stop listening, I apologize. I'm just coming at it from the Dynamo side. I love you guys just as much. No,
0: we actually gained a viewer. (laughs) Really? Yes. That's hilarious. But but my what I was going to tell you is for those people who might be listening in the future that have no idea what the difference between franchise and a club is. Yes. Would you mind explaining it to them?
4: So a uh, 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 franchise slash team. I like the team concept because I think it makes more sense. Franchise is kind of like your subway type thing. You know, your subway sandwiches. Mm-hmm. I should probably phrase that differently. Uh, so the difference between a franchise team versus an actual club system. So a club system aspires to be a whole system. It includes academies. It includes or an academy. It includes teams all the way through with transitional and pipelines like the Cal, uh, Brazos Valley Cavalry. Dynamo Academy, RGV Dynamo, and even in the NWSL team with the Houston Dash, Dash. and the Dash Academy as well. So mm-hmm. it's a it's about a system, it's about a culture, it's about a it's about a a you know, if if you think Houston soccer, the goal is to think is to think the Dynamo organization. Uh, you know, in all those teams and all those clubs tied to that are all part of that club system. They're all part of one system. And the youth teams have ties to it to it as well. They've got partnerships and alliances throughout the city. Whereas a franchise or a team, they're not as connected with the soccer community in their city, you know, where they are. Um, if you think of the NFL, for instance, they're all teams. They could pick up and move it at a moment's notice. Now, the Packers can't because they're different because they're owned by the local, local group or uh, local citizens. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, you look at any other team, they could technically pack up and move at any point. And you've seen it many times. And you see it all the time. And I don't want that for MLS. I don't want Columbus. I don't want another Columbus where that is a threat that can be thrown around. I don't want that to happen again because it's not good for the game. It's not good for the growth of soccer in this country because you can't uh, – clubs can't take root. Culture can't take root. Where it's a team environment, where they're not engaged and connected with the city's culture of soccer, the city's community of soccer, mm-hmm. um, and so that's the difference. I know that was really long winded, but basically the, the difference, in kind of a very short summary, for those that have stayed listening to that, I don't know why, um, but those you know, it, it's literally the difference. But it, it's the difference. The difference between a franchise slash team and a club is a system of more than just the team. And engaging with the entire soccer community of their area or region or whatever it may be. Another good example of that, makes me shudder, is FC Dallas. Dallas is a fantastic—well, Frisco. They're a good example of that, though, because they connect with the high schools. They connect with the club soccer there in the, in the city, uh, or at least in that area. Um, you know, they connect, they connect all the way through. It's not just one thing, and they have an SC, FC Dallas women's team as well they just they're not an NWSL mm-hmm. but it's the same type of concept that it's it's about creating an environment of growth and development for players throughout the entire system that while the top level of that system may ultimately be the Dynamo or FCD in reality they have players along the entire spectrum and their their goal is to develop that soccer growth and soccer community and individual players because that's how you find the Dempsey's or the DeAndre Yedlin's that are going to go overseas because they aspire for greater than just MLS, although MLS is getting up there. But they aspire for that elite level of soccer. Uh, you know, your are Christian Pulisic as the case may be. Um, and so that's, that's how it is over in Germany. That's how Germany became so good at soccer. They developed a club system that began at the country level and worked its way down through the rest of the system. They started at the top and worked out the rest of it all the way through. So literally, when you're in Germany playing in Germany, no matter what level league you're playing in, no matter what club you're playing for, you're playing for Germany. Now, you may not be playing for their national team because your nationality may not allow you to, but you're playing a German style of soccer. You're learning German technique and German technical, you know, capabilities, whether you're in their club system, whether you're in their academy systems, which they have really good ones of those too, or you're in Bundesliga two versus Bundesliga, I mean it doesn't matter because it's 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 about the growth of the sport in their in their country and maintaining that elite level that goes far beyond what other other countries right now are trying. Because to do. Because it's
0: at a point in Germany in Germany where each team has its own tradition. Correct. Even in fourth division, which is the lowest uh, that the that the the, the German FA. Stop it. Um, Sorry. Controls. Yeah. Because I think fifth division yeah. down, it's what, amateur considered? Well,
4: exactly. And, I mean, it's kind of like here in the U.S. You know, when you get below PDL, U.S. soccer is not mandating anything after PDL, below mm-hmm. PDL. And really, I don't even think they're mandating much as far as PDL goes. It's all kind of PDL control. Yeah. But the difference is, is because they have that control level uh, in Germany, they're able to dictate what players should be learning at each league level, what the transition should look like. Um, and that's why I say, like, that's like the example of the the club concept, but at a whole country level. And that's what I want the U.S. to get to. But I think the U.S. can only do it, and we've talked about this before. If they look at it from a regional standpoint, I don't think we can do it as a full country necessarily. Like we have just one country system and we stick to that. Mm-hmm. But I think if we look at it from a regional aspect, and you know, have maybe six regions in the country, I think that's feasible, and I think it's realistic that we could have you know, we can have pro rel within those types of systems and things like that because it reduces travel, it reduces costs, but also at the same time, simplifies. it simplifies, but it also gives players a consistent system that they're building through. Sure, teams are going to have different styles of play, but those those regions can be learning the same techniques. They can be teaching the same generalizations, making sure that players are gaining the same talents in terms of ball control and first touch Mm -hmm. and finishing and those types of things. And, you know, sure, some players are going to adapt to different things differently, but if you have a system and training styles in place, then that, that just, it feeds into your national team. And I think that's been one of the things that we struggled with as a, as a nation is we don't have a national team system that really embraces the idea of players learning together in our system, players learn with their team. And that's as far as it goes. Mm -hmm. If they want to get higher and they're not part of the U.S. national – or youth national teams, they probably are never going to make it to the U.S. national teams. They're just not because they don't get seen. Yeah. Um, And so the regional thing kind of helps with that too because now you have – with regionalization, you have a focus on the actual young players that are are there that may have been missed before because your focus is on each individual region.
0: So what could happen is you can see, like, for example, like – Uh, Each region have their own all-star team, per se. U.S. West
4: versus U.S. South versus U.S. East, that type of thing.
0: Yeah, and then have one major tournament like each year where each of these teams... Mm -hmm. Go where the U.S. national team scouts see them. Exactly, exactly. The coaches
4: and the scouts, and so
0: you know right then and there they're already focused. That you're watching the best of the best out of each region, and then you just grab from there. Like which one is the best? So what?
4: What that does end up that type of system? What it does end up doing is it actually ends up pushing college soccer out out the door, Mm -hmm. because now if you want to achieve that level, you're no longer looking at college soccer as a viable option. Um, because you're not going to get that same exposure that you would get if you were going through the regional systems. Now, colleges could buy into that, but the NCAA would never allow it because it would be a system where they would get paid for their services. Um, But because of the way the NCAA is anyways, and NSCAA in terms of soccer, I I don't think it's far-fetched to think that um, if U.S. soccer wanted to, they could basically completely push out college soccer is a viable option for players. Mm -hmm. All they would have to do is actually up the minimum amount that players can make right out of the gate when they're 16, 17, 18. If they're making that amount, they can afford to go to college in the off season, just take online classes, whatever it may be to still get their degrees, but they're still able to make that money and be prepared for the next level and that sort of thing. I mean, we're seeing with Christian Pulisic, it's not like the kid, you know, the kid's gone going to college, but he's doing it while he's maintaining elite level soccer. soccer. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need in the U.S. We need that type of of player that's willing to to focus as much on the sport as they are on school, or actually more on the sport than they are in school. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think there's a lot of parents out there that I really wish they would understand that it's actually good for your kid to some degree to not be stressed out by school twenty four seven, and you know, they can still get a degree. It doesn't have to be a high the highest degree in the world. They don't have to go be a lawyer. They can still get one later if they want. But if they have the talent level and they're good enough, why not let them at least try to achieve whatever they want to achieve? Let them live out their dream and just be able to you know, support them however you need to support them in terms of when that, you know, if that dream is not achieved and they only get as far as they get. As long If they've made enough money to support themselves, even after soccer, there's still life after soccer. Mm-hmm. There's players like Eddie Robinson. There's players like Craig Weibel. There are doors and open opportunities if you're willing to take it after soccer.
0: Anyways, one final question to you, and this comes from Stud Muffin, MLS Sub-stud. to Austin.
4: Sub-Stud. MLS what? MLS to Austin. What about it? Is it that? That's the whole question. MLS to Aus. What
0: is your? What is your? Or Atx.
4: Because
0: I know you wanted to talk about it in Generation Orange.
4: This whole <laughs> yeah, MLS. We, we dumped it. Um. So, the the uh, yeah. It, uh. Austin MLS versus Austin USL. My take on this is that. Um, I feel like I kind of want to support Austin USL because I don't want to see Columbus move to Austin and I kind of feel like Austin MLS is a poor attempt to to a poor attempt for pre-court to try to make something happen out of nothing. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm kind of glad to see Austin USL take such a hardline stance on things. Um, and I do feel like there were there was a lot of collusion going on behind the scenes between pre court ventures, between MLS, between Austin uh, political lights, uh, social uh, yeah political lights. I don't know what the politicians. There we go, um, and etc. You know, I feel like there was a lot of under the table, probably money being passed around because that's what happens in politics. You know, a lot of lobbying, and that's how they got the approvals that they needed to get for certain things to be pushed through the system. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, on the one hand. You know, and then I turn around and I look at it from that. That's on the one hand. And then on the other hand, I look at it and I say, Austin wants top level soccer. I definitely understand that from an MLS standpoint. They want MLS because it's the best soccer out there right now in the U.S. But I think Austin hasn't proved anything as a sports city. And I think if you throw MLS into a city that's not a sports city, which again, we don't know what Austin is going to be, then I think you're just setting it up for potential. Failure. failure or at least potential badness. You know, It may not be failure per se, mm-hmm. but if they're a struggling last place team year over year, if they're not making enough money to be able to actually buy players, if they're worse than the Dynamo year over year, that's a bad look. That's not to say the Dynamo are bad, but if they are worse than the Dynamo just in terms of how much they spend, that's a bad look for a team that moved from Columbus. Um, you know, It would require pre-court putting in a lot of money after moving there outside of the stadium to bring players in.
0: So do you see? Do you see it very likely that uh, Columbus moves to Austin?
4: I do only because I know how the politics work, and once the politics have already decided that that's going to happen, it's just a matter of time.
0: There you go, Stun Muffin. Question Sorry, answer. I
4: hate it, but it's the case. But if it does happen, then I hope the MLS, uh, not the MLS, the Austin USL movement. I hope that doesn't stop. I hope that they still try to pull in a team because I think that they could actually compete bringing in fans against the MLS team at this point because the MLS team is coming from Columbus. And there are enough people that don't want to see that happen in Austin that I think they could viably push the MLS team for attendance year over year and, and you know create kind of a schism there that, that MLS doesn't want and ultimately is going to have to address somehow. But they can't run the USL franchise out of town.
0: And they have to. They they have to. According to the USL, they ha- they paid the money. Yeah. They have to field the team. Yeah, yeah. I mean th- there's no ifs, ands, about it. Um, US uh, USL A- ATX USL has to field the team by 2019.
4: Absolutely. And and I and like I said, I mean I think it's good. I do think that pre court, the pre court ventures, pre court himself, the people that are going to run the Austin franchise. You know, I think if they don't get MLS or if they do get MLS, I think what they're going to try to do is try to partner with the USL team and make it their affiliate type of thing, kind of like Mm -hmm. the Dynamo affiliate, whatever. Um, But I think that's not what that USL team needs. That USL team needs to remain independent strictly because there's so much momentum against MLS in that city because of pre-court. they can take advantage of that. And they can tap into that. And I think long term, that actually opens up the possibility if they go that route. Where they can compete against Pre Court hard enough that I think it pushes Pre Court out of Austin, mm-hmm. and they end up becoming the MLS franchise, maintaining their their system, maintaining who, you know maintaining their logos, maintaining their, atti- identity. their identity. Thank you. I was looking for that word and I couldn't think of it. That's exactly <laughs> the word I wanted. Yes. Well, guys, that was... This has been the Sean 30-minute show. <laughs> just, just kidding. Just kidding.
0: Um, but, Sean, thank you so much for for, for your insights on these uh, topics that we really had uh, no plan on. Uh...
4: <laughs> that we did not intend to... I told you it would be another 30 minutes. That was not a joke. It,
0: it's, it's okay, because we started like 30 minutes yeah, you later. you guys started pretty late. Yeah. So, uh, Sean, thank you so much for, for joining Anytime. us these of couple, these couple of minutes.
4: Who's ready for World Cup? I am. Who's ready to watch Mexico beat uh, beat uh, their win their group? Uh, me, not me, <laughs> not me. Me and Ray. Yeah.
0: No. Um, who, who's ready? No, no, I'm not going to touch oh. up on
4: that subject anymore. Anyway.
0: Not going to touch that subject.
4: Who's ready for the U.S.? Oh. No,
0: I was gonna I was gonna bring up the squirts.
4: What's the uh, U.S. women's score, by the way? I haven't even looked. Uh,
0: U.S. women's. Um, Are
4: they up five nothing yet on China PR? Because I think they're playing China PR. Yeah, 1-0. Right? 1-0. Oh, Alex
0: okay. Morgan with the goal in the fifty second, fifty seventh minute. Man,
4: that's so late! It's like they just didn't care to play the first half. It's whatever. Oh. It's whatever.
0: And then they they play on the twelfth again, uh, once again, right?
4: Yeah, they always do that with the women's teams. They try to back to back them like mm-hmm. in, within a, within a week so that they can basically have the players and not interrupt league yeah. play too much.
0: Mm-hmm. So, uh, Jacob, thank you so much uh, as well for for. Uh, your for coming on on the show.
4: Yeah, go play some uh, car games. And um, All right. <laughs> so
0: we'll, we'll try to we'll try to get something planned for down in the valley gaming.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, hof- hopefully we we can uh we can we we can also do like some sort of uh not not just not just uh, FIFA but also bring, yeah, some other yeah. games and stuff yeah, and that, and then ho- that way we can each have like like our own you know variety. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, of games as well. Because
4: no, I... no tournaments. I don't need to get my butt kicked on camera. Thanks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> would, would, would be fun though.
4: Uh, yeah, yeah, fun for you.
0: <laughs> you know, it would be really cool. I think it would be really awesome since I know some of the players actually play FIFA. Just It'd be, to be cool to have a guest. Yeah, like like a guest oh, cool. guest appearance of like a Dynamo See, or LRG player. There's your
4: gaming channel concept right there. You you know once a month or once a week or whatever. You just grab a player, you play one couple matches with them, and you just stream it live. You record it, put it in a, like, video cast format and share it out. Yeah. Boom. Make money on it. Get sponsors. Done.
0: Especially now with, with eSports e- being I think such. as big as
4: it is. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, oh, and, uh. Kid Mamuto. Oh, that'd be oh. great. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, if that ever were to happen, I'll be honest. The first thing I'd be like, hey, I need tips, bro. <laughs> like, for real, I suck at FIFA. Like, how do I not suck at FIFA?
0: <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll get into discussions uh, later on. It is already gonna be nine forty.
4: Yeah, I'm looking so, at the time over here. Yeah.
0: So uh, thank you guys uh, to to our audience who are still with us. Uh, Thanks, talk, Jacob. Okay. So, Blues fan says that wants see, he wants to see Mexico dead last in the group. Uh.
4: Thanks, man. Thanks. <laughs>
0: and then he said uh, I mean I
4: get the sentiment. I just I want I, I wanna see them advance so that they can lose again in the round of sixteen. That's and all.
0: then he said the first guest of the gaming channel should be Albert Lee's instant views.
4: Oh dude. No, Kyoto, because Kyoto would throw the controller at the TV because (laughs) of you. (laughs) We'd have a broken TV on our hand. It'd be great. It'd be (laughs)
0: fantastic. Uh, Let's start a uh, uh, GoFundMe to (laughs) replace that TV. Yeah,
1: that's exactly (laughs) how that would be.
0: So, all right, guys. So, thank you so much. We'll see each other next, uh, next week. It should be Wednesday. Oh, before I forget, since there's still people watching, next week. Uh, Chuy Enriquez will be on the show live nice. so don't, don't miss it and uh, be sure that you guys have any questions for him uh, be, be sure to I'm, no blues fan I don't, I don't like clickbait
2: so, <laughs> so be, sure, be sure
0: to check it out if you guys have any questions you want me to ask uh, uh, or Jacob want uh, to ask Chuy Enriquez be sure to uh, send it to us via email at uh, jacob.drgv.com or at edson.drgv.com at uh, so and,
4: and also, guys, just remember, if you have questions during the week, even if it's not specific to a player or specific to a topic that's been discussed that week, you can ask them on Twitter or Facebook. And, I mean, Edson is always on that thing watching. So if you post a question on there and it's something that ends up getting on the show, then you get it answered anyways. But I'm just saying, like, don't be afraid to ask the questions even if you think you feel stupid or you know you're going to look stupid, trust me, you don't look stupid. There's other people that are thinking the same thing and wanting to ask the same. Or question. maybe, or
0: maybe any one of us might have that same it question. Might be us too. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say. So, so thank you guys and see each other next week. Take care. hashtag We are todos. hashtag Somos todos. But more importantly, hashtag Forever Orange. Have a good night, guys.
2: Can you feel it, the fire in your soul, leaping at the chance for love? Can you feel it, Holding your senses, letting all your feelings go, but I can feel it, but